Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together, faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding, signs, wonders, and miracles will take place at the teaching of your word in Jesus' mighty name. Can I get a good amen? Amen. All right. So every January in our churches, um, especially with our Bonny Island Church, I like to start with Wisdom for Living series. And um, it's good, but usually when we get into the new year as Christians, uh, our approach is to fast a bit more. Right? Intensify a bit more prayers. But over the years, having pastored for a while, I realized that one of the things that can really make a difference in your year is the application of wisdom. Is the application of wisdom. So I usually in our churches take the time to teach on some wisdom lessons. This morning, I want to have a conversation around sleeping during harvest. Sleeping during harvest. Why people miss out, you know, of God's opportunities in their life. But I want you to come with me to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3 first. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 3. I usually would read from the New American Standard Bible. But we're going to look at the NLT today. But, and I'd like you to take notes. Praise God. That's very important. So you can go back and study these notes again. But in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 3, the New American Standard Bible says, The foolishness of a man ruins his way. The foolishness of a man ruins his way, and his heart rages against the Lord. The foolishness of a man ruins his way, and his heart Rages against the Lord. The New Living Translation says, People ruin their lives by their own foolish by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. Now I need you to pay very close attention to that. It says, People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then they are angry at the Lord. Right? Can we have the scripture projection, uh, Peter? People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then they're angry at the Lord. If you ask a couple of people why they're not in church, uh, why they're not serving God, they're going to give you one fantastic tale about something that happened and something. And the Bible says people actually make foolish decisions and what happens? They get angry at the Lord. This is why I decided to start teaching on the Wisdom for Living series every January. So people do not stop blaming the Lord for wrong decision. Every choice has a consequence. Even if you don't make a choice, you've already made a choice. You cannot not make a choice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you put your life on a neutral gear, you're going to fail. We should stop making Christianity look like a magic wand that people live the way they want, make choices the way they want, and when their life gets destroyed, God gets blamed for not being a good God. 
Are you still here this morning? Alright. So, if we have understood this, let's look at this concept. Life is defined by seasons. And what you do at a particular season will determine the direction of your life. Life is determined by seasons. What you do at a particular season of your life will determine the direction of your life. I usually say this. I like, I like motivational speaking. I like when they say you can do everything you want to do at an old age. You know, you can go to school even if you're 75. Right? But come on, how many of you know that learning A is for Apple and B is for Ball and C is for card at 75 is not going to be fun? You don't think so? Come on. I said, you don't think so? It's not going to be fun. Can you do it? Yes, you can. Will it be fun? I'm not sure. Some of you know how you're struggling with adult education. You know, you put your glasses on, you're looking at the computer, you think you are reading. It's when you start seeing your grandmother's sport, you realize that you're dreaming. Because you can't stay awake anymore. So there's a season for that. There's a season for that. You see, we must understand that God didn't just create us on this earth to be robots and he's just controlling things from above. We don't have a choice. Things are just happening. Oh, if God wills, I'll be blessed. If God, no, no, sir. A thousand times, no. There is a part you have to play to get your life to where God wants you to get it to. And can I tell you something this morning? If you don't make that choice, God cannot help you. The children of Israel said, we can't get into the land. What did God tell them in Numbers chapter 14? As you have spoken to my ears, so shall I do unto you. God cannot force you to have a good life if you want to have a bad life. And we should should stop making Christianity look like once you walk through these doors and I lay my anointed hands on you and I give you anointed oil and mix it with a, a bit of a coconut, your whole life is going to just turn around in one day. That's not going to happen. And that's why sometimes people get frustrated in Christianity. Why? Because they just throw away principles. They throw away choices. And they just expect God. Can God do that supernatural intervention? Yes, he can. But that's not God's default mode of working. Are you still here? So destiny and kingdom success is made up of the God part and the man part. Everyone say the God part and the man part. Alright, knowing the boundaries of collaboration is the key to maximizing your life on earth. Where does God stop? Where do I stop? Know that boundary. That's why I'm talking about sleeping during harvest. And I'll share a few thoughts with you this morning. So, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, praise God. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, the Bible says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. Yeah? So take a look at this. Paul was writing, 1 Corinthians, right? I planted. Apollos watered. What did God do? God caused the increase. Can God increase what's not planted? So if I don't plant a seed, and I'm blaming God that I don't have increase, that's not God's fault. God cannot bless what you're not doing. It's the work of your hands that God will bless, not the confession of your mouth. The work of what? Of your hands. So we understand here that God gave the increase. Why? Because Apollos planted, sorry, Paul planted, and Apollos did what? 
watered, and then God did what? Gave the increase. Can you see? Man and God. In this case, man even initiated the planting. It's like a farmer who goes to sleep, never planted any crop. And when he's harvest crop, he's wondering, oh God, what's happening to my field? Praise God. What have you planted that you want God to increase? You know, there are people who sit in church every Sunday morning and trusting God for prosperity and trusting God for increase and just trusting God for that big breakthrough and they never get blessed. But there's, there'll be a woman who gets up in the morning, goes to fry a karao bean cake, and you realize that that woman is not praying because there's something in her hands for God to bless. A lazy Christian is not an example of a good Christian. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What did I say? A lazy Christian is not what? An example of what? Of a good Christian. And favor is not a cover for laziness. Miracles are not covers for laziness. Especially in this part of the world, we have a version of Christianity that is not biblical. And what does that version tell us? Do nothing and God is going to just bless you. That's not what we find in scriptures. Everyone that was blessed had something they were doing. But let's go on. Go to Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 5. That's our key scripture this morning. Proverbs chapter 10. I hope you're getting blessed. Proverbs chapter 10 and let's go to verse 5. Proverbs 10, 5. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. The Bible says, He who gathers in summer is a son who acts wisely. But look at this next line. <laughs> but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who acts shamefully. And this is what we want to look at this morning. So it tells us that this particular son who is acting shamefully is in his harvest season, but he's sleeping. So that tells us something. It tells us that you can be a hard worker, but if you don't know how to navigate your harvest season, you will not reap. So let's take, for example, a man who is a farmer, plants the crops, right? If you've ever lived in the village, you understand what I'm saying? And then the harvest is ripe. What should the man do? What do you think the man should do? Go to sleep? What should he do? Go and harvest. If, you've ever grew, if you ever grew up in the farm, you realize that sometimes harvest seasons are even more laborious or more tedious than what? Than planting seasons. You know the truth of the matter? Some of us work hard a lot, but we don't know how to harvest. We sleep. We've not built systems for harvest. If you look up north in Nigeria, where they do a lot of this tomatoes stuff, you realize that harvest season, right? We, we usually say, oh, tomatoes are cheap because it's harvest season. But you know why they are cheap? There are no storage facilities. So this you know, poor farmers want to quickly sell off at any price so they are not destroyed. But you know that if we were a system that was fully developed, what should we do? That's where we should be. Converting them to paste, processing them. We will even work more. I want you to understand something this morning and I don't want you to leave this church without understanding it. 
The harvest season of your life is going to take more work than your planting season. And you have to be ready for that. You have to build systems for that. You have to be conscious of it. Okay? If you go to Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 8, the Bible says that the ant gathers its food at harvest. The ant gathers its food at harvest. Which means that during harvest, there must be the work of gathering. Even when it comes to soul winning, the Bible tells us about being conscious of the harvest season. Alright. Now, the ant teaches us what to do during harvest. We have to gather in the harvest. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35 to 38, Jesus said something about the harvest. He said, the harvest is ripe. Then the next word he uses is what? The laborers are few. He didn't say the enjoyers. He says the laborers. So Jesus, of course he was talking about the harvest of souls, but Jesus connects harvest to labor. Did you see that? The word Jesus used when he talks about harvest was not the enjoyment guys are few. No, he said what? The laborers are few. The laborers are few. And that tells us something. That when Jesus saw harvest, he saw labor. When Jesus saw harvest, he saw work. So when you see the harvest season of your life, you shouldn't be seeing enjoyment, you should see work. Praise God. Now, let me show you something. In Joel chapter 3 and verse 13, it tells us something about harvest. Joel, prophet Joel, chapter 3 and verse 13. We're talking about those who sleep during harvest. Look at what he said. He says, they have also cast lords for my, no, put in the sickle, yeah? Put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. It's just that first verse. Put in what? The sickle for what? The harvest is ripe. I want you to, don't forget this. Take it as your memory verse. I know we don't do memory verses anymore, but take that as your memory verse. The harvest is ripe. What should you do when the harvest is ripe? You put in the sickle. Harvest season is not to talk. Harvest season is not to sleep. Harvest season is not to loiter around. Harvest season is to put in the sickle. The sickle is an agricultural implement that helps you to reap. To reap. And we'll talk about that building systems of reaping in your life. We'll get there as we progress. Are you still here? Okay. Go to Mark chapter 4. Show you something here. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And um, we're going to read verse. Jesus was talking about the planting of seeds. And um, we're going to read from verse 26. He was giving them a parable. And he was saying the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. Now follow this. So the man casts seed on the soil. Man initiates that planting season. And he goes to bed at night. And gets up by day. And the seed sprouts. And grows. 
How? He himself does not know. Now, this part of he himself does not know is the supernatural part. That's what God does. Okay? So let's, let's look at this now. A man gets up, plants a seed. He goes to bed. Observe when the man is going to bed. He plants the seed. He goes to bed. God works all through the night. Getting that seed up. The soil produces crops by itself. I'll take time to teach on this as we progress, but not today. But the Bible says the soil produces crops by itself. Life has been designed by God already that there is a system supernaturally in place. Let's look at uh, in marriage, for instance. A man meets with a woman and there's conception. How the baby grows in the womb, you really are not aware. Or Does any of you have an idea? Even doctors. I don't think they have 100% idea of how the baby forms in the womb, right? But there's a system for the baby to form. There's the womb. That's why a man doesn't have a womb. But the woman has a womb. To do what? To carry the baby. Please pay attention to what I'm saying about systems. So let's say, for instance, a woman doesn't have a womb or something happened and the womb was cut off. You realize that there will be no system. Some of us, it's not as if we are not working hard, but there are no systems in our life to enable what God is doing. So, we're going. So it says, the soil produces cause by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature green in the head. What does it tell us also? The faces of life. You must understand the faces of life. You can't be in a hurry to be successful. You cannot be in a hurry to be successful. There are no overnight success. You have to learn to value process. Are you, come on, are you here with me? Because if you don't teach your people well in church, they are the one that will put pressure on you that you are not anointed. Because they want stories. You understand what I'm saying? They want to be able to share a testimony that I came to this church on Sunday and by Monday I'm a millionaire. I don't teach that. Because if you go to bed on Sunday night as a poor person and you wake up on Monday morning as a millionaire, you will not know what to do with that million. I won't see you in church anymore. Because you were not prepared for it. What will you do with it? I know some of you think, don't worry, pastor, just try me. Let God try it. No, 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 he's not trying you. (laughs) Are you hearing what I'm saying? We have to, are you ready for that? I mean, if you study, normally they'll tell you most lottery winners end up poor. Why? They're not ready for it. They don't know what to do with it. So, you see, if you understand that life is a process, you will not be under anxiety for anything. First, the Bible says what? The blade. Then the head. Then the mature gray in the head. Let me talk about this a little bit. Do you realize that even when Jesus came to redeem man, he started as a process? God could have just said, you know what, Adam, you have messed up. I'll, I'll, I'll wipe the whole earth. I'll create a new man. He didn't do that. 
For 2,000 years, over 2,000 years, God was walking the redemption prophecy. Right? And then Mary had a child. Grew up. We could see Jesus growing up until he was baptized. That's process. If your redemption is a process, your life is going to be a process. That's how God works. Praise God. Now look at this. Then he says, but when the crop permits, that word when the crop permits is like when the, when the crop is ripe. He immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So look at this. Follow this circle carefully. First, the man plants the seed. Right? God works overnight when the man is sleeping. But when harvest comes, who, who, who gets to work? The man. The man puts in his sickle. So you see the man, you see God, and then you see the man. So what are we talking about this morning? We're talking about this final part of getting the harvest. That's not when to sleep. That's when to get your sickle out and to engage the system. So let's look at this. Right? What does sleeping means? So the dictionary says, it's a condition of body and mind. Pay attention. Those two words are very important. A condition of body and mind that typically reoccurs for several hours every night in which the eyes are closed. I know some of you sleep with your eyes open, but you guys are miracle workers. <laughs> but normal people sleep with their eyes closed. You know, there are people that can be looking at you like this. I say, are you with me? They are not there. They have traveled. Okay. The eyes are closed, the postural muscles relaxed, the activity of the brain altered, and consciousness of the surroundings practically suspended. That's what sleeping means. So I'm going to pick this one after the other. Number one, eyes are closed. What does that tell us? When a man is sleeping, there's no vision. His eyes are closed. There's no vision. Child of God, God cannot do for you what you're not seeing. What you don't have a vision for cannot happen in your life. The first thing God gives a man is a vision. You must have a vision. And having a vision is not that you slept, you saw angel, one angel called your native name, fire and brimstone. No, 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 no. It's having a clear mental picture of where you're going. Do you realize that everything God told Abraham was a vision? Give him a vision. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Right? What did God um, tell Mary? Behold, you shall conceive, you shall bear a son. Words. Why? Words convey vision. If I tell you this morning that, you know what? Every member of this church, by next month, we are going to do a crusade. What do you see? What will you see? Crusades. Would you see um, a football match? No. And if I say, we're going to do a crusade, some of you will run away. Because you're like, ah, I don't know what to do in a crusade. But if I say, well, next month, we're going to have a picnic. You don't really like picnic. You just like to eat. What's going to come in your mind? You know, you're already saying, this hairstyle I'm going to take to this picnic. This church, they will hear it this month. You, you see, because I communicated words to you, you're already having a mental picture, right? Or if I say, one of our sisters is getting married and we are all expected to be there. What's your mind going to go to? What can I wear to the wedding? So, I'm telling you that words communicate vision. Words communicate vision. And can I tell you something? That is why every word you are hearing every day is painting a vision in your mind. If you don't want to experience wrong things, stop hearing wrong things. 
No information leaves you the same. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Can I tell you something? If every time you open the newspapers, you see Naira is now 1,300. Naira is now 1,500. Hey, Naira is now once. Hey, Naira is now. You know what's happening to you? You're not just seeing figures. It's painting a vision of what? Scarcity, no money, things are bad. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, do you know that the man who sells dollars, eh, as he's opening the paper, what's that figures painting in his mind? More money. The man is saying more houses. Same figures, different images. What controls your life is the image that is registered in your heart, not what is happening on the outside. Because in this same nation, this same year, people will build houses legally. People will buy cars legally. Do you understand what I'm saying? People will do all the right things legally. So you must control the image that's in your heart. Okay, let me leave that. Let me leave that. So, eyes closed. When you're sleeping, it means there's no vision. Do you realize the first thing Jesus told them was lift up your eyes and see. Don't say it's four months. Don't say I will make it next year. Lift up your eyes and see. From where you are. What did God tell Abraham? From where you are, lift your eyes. Vision does not start when you have it. It's the vision you have that will bring whatever you need. Are you, are you still here? Then, to sleep also means your muscles are relaxed. Inactivity. Inactivity. There's nobody who will make it in life, who will be successful in life, who will not be somebody who is busy and productive. You can't be idle and expect increase. Praise God. Are you still here? An impactful Christian is a productive Christian. Be productive at your workplace. There's no use going for all night and going to work and sleeping. You're an embarrassment. And if I know your boss, I will ask them to sack you. Because you're not contributing. You're, you see, you cannot, you cannot, you know, there's a principle in the scripture that says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, right? And give to God what belongs to God. You cannot give your best mental hours at night that you should be resting to intense midnight prayer. Nothing wrong with that. Then you go to work in the morning and you are sleeping. You are robbing your employee of what he's paying you for. And you are cheating the employee. And he's not godly. Pray when you can pray. And sleep. When you go to work, do what you're paid for. Christianity does not mean we should rob those that employed us. And if you study the scriptures, it's very clear. Paul instructing them on how to, even as slaves, obey their earthly masters. One of the things we need to do in this nation is to redefine what Christianity truly is. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Say amen if you're here. Alright. The brain activity is altered. When you sleep, there's no critical thinking. That's why you can dream all kinds of dreams. You know, in your dreams, all things are possible. In your dream, a dog can be chasing you. You can jump and upstairs. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hey, you know the way dream is. It's just like there's no logic. Your food can even slap you in the dream. What? So, so no critical thinking. Harvest season is a time of critical thinking. 
Let me, let me explain something. I'm going to go there, but let me explain something. Do you realize that when you have money to invest, right? You have a lot of money to invest. Then that's when you now realize that you don't even know what to invest in. That's why people lose money. Now you have 10 million. There's somebody who just come that ah, there's this company XYZ. Once you put 20 million, it will give you 30 million. They say, ah, okay, you've lost money. Or somebody just come, ah, there's a land, there's a land. Say, do you know the person? Say, yes, it's my uncle, grandfather that has the land. I know the people. Then you now buy a land and discover that. So you realize that wealthy people think critically. Because when you have a lot of money, if you make foolish decisions, you lose that money this quick. So you have to think critically. So what does it mean to sleep during harvest? You've lost critical thinking. You're not thinking critically. You have to engage your brain. You have to love books. You have to love to read. You have to understand something. He says the Holy Spirit will bring these things to your remembrance. What things? The things Jesus had been teaching them. What will the Holy Spirit bring to your remembrance if there's nothing in the brain? He checks the brain, he checks the brain, he checks the brain, he's empty. Are you following what I'm saying? So let me explain something to you. The Holy Spirit will teach you based on the foundation you have laid. So if you have not laid any foundation, because what would the Spirit work on? What will He teach you? I'm not saying the Holy Spirit cannot teach you what you do not know. That's not where I'm going. But there is a foundation the Holy Spirit has to work on in your life. You have to lay that foundation. Alright? Praise God. Okay, let's go. So, consciousness of the surroundings practically suspended. So, there is no awareness or discernment. So, when we talk about sleeping during harvest, these are the four things we're talking about. There's no vision. There's inactivity. There's no critical thinking. There's no awareness or discernment around you. Praise God. Are you still here? Say amen if you're here. Alright. No vision. No, there's inactivity. There's no critical thinking. Many people have the mindset that harvest season is a time to relax, cross your legs and enjoy. No, harvest season is a time to labor. Many people know how to work hard and sow but do not understand the dynamics of harvest season in their life. So let's, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example and then I'm going to share some very practical things. Let me give you an example. Number one, in John chapter 4, we have the story of the Samaritan woman. Okay, John chapter 4, Samaritan woman. Okay, we all know the story. Through that Samaritan woman, Jesus gained access into Samaria, into the city. So, what are the four things Jesus employed there? Number one, discernment. Jesus discerned that through this woman, something can happen. When you look at the Samaritan woman, she didn't look like someone who could open a city. So, when we talk about harvest season, we are talking about discerning things properly. Discernment. Number two, Jesus did not despise an opportunity. There's an opportunity to speak to the woman. He didn't despise it. 
He didn't despise it. He didn't despise it. The business opportunity you're looking for might just be right in front of you. You must learn discernment. You must not despise little things. Don't despise people. Don't despise people. You know, sometimes we have a mindset of who God wants to use, who God can use, but don't despise people. You realize something? Jesus was tired in John chapter 4, right? Hey, come on. You realize Jesus was tired? He was tired. He was hungry. But then he saw this woman and went ahead and spoke to her. That's the labor of harvest. You must be able to discern certain relationships that God brings to you. Those are harvest relationships. Certain opportunities that God will bring your way this year, they might look like small opportunities, but those are what? Harvest opportunities. Don't, dis- don't despise. Learn to discern. The fourth thing is pressing in, even when he was tired. Jesus was tired, but he still talked to the woman. You understand that? My brother, sometimes harvest season, you'll be tired. You know, I woke, up, I woke up early this morning to pray. I was tired. You know, sometimes you think as pastors, we like to pray all the time. We don't. Because you're human. The Bible says Elijah was a man subject to like passion like us. That's why I was tired. I had to, you know, force myself to pray a bit. Sometimes you won't feel like going to make that call. You won't feel like putting in that proposal. But if you're going to reap your harvest, you must break beyond tiredness and do what? Get that thing done. I write a lot of books. I recommend on your way out, check our book stand and get some of those books. There's, a, there's one I have there called Capacity, Responsibility and Productivities. Highly recommended. I taught that message in church, in a Bonnie Island church about how to, you know, the things God has put into you to bring them out. So I was lying down after service Sunday afternoon. You know, and, and God just spoke to me on my inside. What are you going to do about that message? I was like, yeah, I write a book on it. And he says, why not start now? Did I feel like writing? No. But I had to discipline myself to go write. You know, I've met people, I've written like 15 books. I've met people who meet me and say, you know what? I just want you to lay hands on me. Let that, let that writing anointing come upon me. Like, <laughs> writing anointing. How's it going to work? Because even if the Holy Spirit puts the words and the things in your heart, you have to still open your laptop. You have to still press on. You have to still do what? Type. Is the Holy Spirit going to do that for you? No. Don't accept any message that makes you lazy. It will end in your frustration. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Every godly message, there is labor to it. Are you hearing this? Every godly message, there will be what? You know what Paul said? Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. Then he says, but I labor. Then he says, not I, but the grace of God. So you know the difference between you and the man who doesn't know God? Your labor is under grace. 
your labor is under grace. So Jesus, okay, let's see. Look at, okay, let's just read it. Thank you. So 1 Corinthians 15, 10, look at this. By, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me did not prove it. He says, but I labored even more than them all. More than, more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Do you know who he was referring to when he says I labored more, more than all of them? All the, the apostles that walked with Jesus. And none of them said Paul was lying. Do you know why we know that he labored more than all of them? He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Two-thirds of the New Testament was written by a guy who came late. And you know where Paul wrote some of those letters, my brother, from prison? He wrote some from the Roman jail. Do you think it's easy to write a letter from a jail? And you know, not a modern jail. When you watch American films and you see jail, you almost feel like going. That's not what I'm talking about. You know, you, you almost feel like going to jail when you watch all these American films. These are not the ones. They should show you Nigerian prison. But the Roman jails were tough. And the man still wrote letters. And those letters are blessing our lives. It's what you do that God will bless. It's the seed you plant that God will bless. It's the business you start that God will bless. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is something God has put on this earth called value. You must bring value to the table for God to channel resources to you. You know, some people say, well, but the children of Israel, they left Egypt and God gave them gold. That was their salary for 400 years of slavery that they were not paid. God is a fair God. They collected their compensation in one day. You know how your bonus comes when you walk and walk and walk and walk and your company pays you one day. It looks like you were a millionaire overnight. Not true. You weren't a millionaire overnight. They were oppressed. And they ought to be paid. God compounded their harvest. You know, for some of them, it was their father's inheritance they collected. For some of you, your fathers had worked hard and worked hard and worked hard. You need to build system to collect the compensation of your parents. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at this. Let me just say this very quickly while I'm here. Do you realize the well that Jesus sat on is called Jacob's well? You know why it's called Jacob's well? Jacob dug it. <laughs> it's simple. There's no mystery to that. It means the well Jacob dug was the well Jesus sat on when he was tired. Was the well the Samaritan woman came to do what? Draw water. You must think generationally. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. The average good man should think two generations. And that's why you must understand that your choices today are impacting your grandchildren. There's no mysterious future. You are creating a path for them already. So you need to ask yourself that, will I be a good grandfather the way I'm living? I know you are not married, but think that way. You have to start thinking that way. And if you know that you want to build generational wealth, then you have to build systems. To build systems. Why is our nation the way it is? We don't think generations. Yeah, I know some of us are alive now. The government has no plan for us. 
they don't have plan for the children we're bringing because if there was a plan there should be a time where people will just know that this university right is accommodating maybe 1 million students in 2030 the population would have grown we would need two more universities are you following it's just straightforward it's not that you know a president comes into position then equated people are asking for university as about people are asking for <laughs> and then we create universities out of emotions yeah if as about people have university why will they equate people not have university are we not in the same college okay tell you people should take your university then they just carry one primary school build one one laboratory with no equipment they name it you know, as about people university, say, hey, hey, this president gave us a university. They are not even checking who passes through that university, if they will be relevant to the society or not. Because when you live your life by emotions, you make decisions that are irrational and you make decisions that are short term. You can't be emotional and make an impactful life. You make short term decisions. You make what will satisfy you today. You will please people that you shouldn't be pleasing. This one is angry, you turn this way. This one is angry, you turn this way. This at the end of the li- of the day, you're living for people and not for your vision. We had a, a pre-launch meeting on Saturday, you know, with my team in church as we're launching the church, and I told them something. I said, in this church, no one person is more important than the vision. If you're for the vision, we're on the same track. You're not for the vision, we're not in the same track. It's the vision that keeps us consistent, not our personalities. Because you can have somebody with a very outgoing personality who will just come and you feel that this person is going to be a great leader but if you are not in line with the vision that's why when they are employing you the HRO will ensure that your skill set matches what the vision of the company are you still here and in your life it should be the same the people surrounding you must be people who align with your vision praise God alright so let's, let's go on here Thank you, Lord Jesus. Are you still here? All right. So let's look at the parable of the talents. Matthew 25, verse 14 to 30. You know the parable, right? Jesus gave these people the um, talent according to their several ability. Now, that word talent there is not gifting. It's money. Money was called talent in those days. Okay? It's not gift. It's not ability. It was given according to their several abilities. So the money given to them was not just seed, but it was harvest. It was a reward. The man called them, Jesus, in the parable, called them and said, hey, come, I'm traveling. Here's some money. You know why I said it's not seed? Right? You know why I say that? He didn't give them an instruction with it. He just gave them the money. So, let's say I'm traveling now. I'm leaving the house. And I call my daughter and my son. I've got a son and a daughter. I call them and I say, hey, this is 2000 for you. This is 1000 Is that a seed? No, it's not a seed. It's harvest because there is no instruction to it. If I said, this is 1,000, I want you to do this, then I can say it's a seed because there's an instruction. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's harvest because it's just given to you. Now, guess what happens? You know the story. One guy looked at this and said, you know what? I just got this money. It's like bonus. Our master is traveling. He didn't even say... I will come back and check what you've done with it. You just give them. God expects you to think. What did I say? God expects me to think. Just give them. Then what happened? One said, hey, 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 hey. This is money. And starts trading with it. Starts making more money with it. The other one said, ah, I've got only one. What will I do with it? He dug. 
And I kept, I kept saying that all the energy he was using to dig, he would have used it for something else. You know, more people spend more energy complaining. The time you will use to complain, you can use it to prophesy over your future. You didn't hear me. I said, the time you are using to complain, you can use it to do what? Prophesy over your future. It's the same words in the same mouth. Probably different images. So he dug it, and the man came. Came back. He said, do business till I come. Just do business till I come. Didn't tell them what kind of business. And the one came and showed what he's done. And the master did what? Gave him more cities. Rewarded him. And the one that was <laughs> so interesting buried his talent. And why did he bury his talent? His image of the master. Let me tell you, if there's anything you need to change on your inside this year, is the image on your inside. What is on your inside? You have got, you've got to change it by the word of God. Bury his talent. Then, what happened? <laughs> the master said, you're wicked and you're lazy. If you can't multiply things in your life, that's how the Bible describes you. Wicked and lazy. The giftings in your life ought to be multiplied. The talents in your life ought to be multiplied. Praise God. Are you still here? Okay. Now, the ability to multiply whatever God has given to you shows you know how to put in your sickle and reap. Those who multiplied their money got the best of it. The man who hid his money got nothing. A harvest handed down to you and not multiplied will be buried and be lost. Praise God. A harvest handed down to you and not multiplied will be buried and be lost. Whatever is given to you by God, God expects, expects you to multiply it. God expects us to multiply this church. God expects us to increase this church. God expects us to multiply, to increase. Come on, everybody say multiplication. And say increase. You must always think that. You must multiply whatever is given to you. You must increase whatever is put in your hands. Nothing placed in your hands must die. Whether it's a store, whether it's a family, whether it's a child, whether it's a business. And you understand what I mean by die? It should not lose life. Everything God puts in your hand, life must come to it. They put a church in your hand, life must come to it. They put marriage in your hands, life must They put people under you, they put a department under you. Whatever is put under your hands must not diminish. Don't let things die in your hands. Praise God. Are you still here now? All right. Don't let things die in your hands. Say this after me. Say nothing dies in my hands. Oh, say one more time. Say nothing dies in my hands. Come on, let's make it a loud declaration. Say nothing dies in my hands. When they brought the five loaves and two fishes to the hands of Jesus, what did he do? He blessed it, he multiplied it, and it increases. Nothing should die in your hands. Don't let this crumble in your hands. Whatever you touch, let an anointing of increase come upon it. Think multiplication. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Alright. So let me give you some few points and then we'll begin to wrap up. Number one, be very discerning of the season that you're in. Be very discerning of the season that you are in. 
Be very discerning of the season that you're in. What season am I in? I'm going to have a season. What kind of season am I in in life? If you're in a harvest season, be discerning of it. Don't joke with your life. We've entered a new year. Don't joke with it. If not, you'll be waiting for another crossover night. If this year is already looking like last year, sit yourself down and have an honest conversation. Nothing will be different this year if you don't become different. There's no magic anywhere. Oh, you know, this is going to be my year. You have to intentionally decide it's going to be your year. If not, you know what? You're going to say the same thing next year. So be discerning of the season that you're in. Be very discerning. Don't walk about without discernment. The Bible talks about the children of Issachar who had their brethren under their command because of what? They understood the times and the seasons. Your life is in phases. Your life is in seasons. Know the season and know what uh, each season requires. You know, the first time I traveled out of the country, uh, I went to U.S. First time I went to U.S. Not when I traveled out of the country. Went to U.S. It was winter season. You know, I bought sweater here. You know, when you watch things in film, you feel like you know the thing a lot. You know, you understand? When you watch winter in movie, you just feel like, oh. So I bought sweater here. <laughs> You know, the sweater I bought here when I went there was like t-shirts. The winter coat they gave me, I wore it. You know, you know, sometimes ignorance can manifest in various ways. So I went to preach in the church. I thought, eh, let's just wear native. Let's represent Niger. <laughs> it was the worst mistake I made. Finished preaching. You know, I was sweating a bit because I was preaching. Sweating a bit. By the time I finished... Man, I was shivering. So they said, can we go out for, for lunch? Say no. Not because I was not hungry. But I knew that if I also return safely home, I have to go and stay by the fire. So they gave me two different winter clothes on top native. You want to see the man of God? On native and winter clothes. Because at that time, you are not concerned about whether you are looking okay. You are not concerned whether you are modern, whether you are ancient. You just want to be alive. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The season that you're in. So you cannot be in winter and dress like you're in summer. You cannot even be in winter and think summer. If you're in harvest season, you cannot think like a man that's planting. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What season am I in? What season am I in in my life? You must think along those lines. You must think along those lines. As a church, what season are we in? If we're in a if we're in a pioneering season, we cannot walk like we have arrived. There are things, of course, I can go to Bonnie Island Church and just sleep, and I know they'll get sorted. I can't do that here. You must think about the season. What season are you in, child of God? There is a season to work hard. There is a season to build systems to conserve the harvest. Number two. Number two. Be, uh, your harvest can be in places or in people. Your harvest will either be in two, two things. It will either be in a place or in a person. Your harvest can be in a location, praise God, or in what? A person. The harvest of Jesus was in that Samaritan woman. You understand that? Your harvest can be in a location. Your harvest can be in a job. Or your harvest can be in a person. 
So you must know. Let me give you an example. Genesis chapter uh, 26, I think. Isaac wanted to go because of the famine. And God said, no, stay in this land. Which means his harvest was where? In a place. Elisha. He says, I've commanded the widow of Zarephath to feed you. It means the harvest was where? In a person. Then he says, the brook sherry was dried. That means the harvest was in the place. So you want to be where God wants you to be? And you want to be with the people God wants you to be with? Two very important things. You want to be where God wants you to be? And you want to be with who? The people God wants you to be. Because your harvest in life is going to be tied around these two things. The places you're in and the people you work with. If you're not careful of your associations, you will not reap your harvest. So you want to be very sure of that. The people and the places. Everybody say people. And then places. Alright. Then you must create systems to conserve the harvest God has given to you. And this harvest will come sometimes like small insignificant opportunities. Create a system to conserve the harvest God has given to you. Create a system. Let me give you an example. Let me use my life as an example. I've written quite a number of books. And usually I used to minister a lot within Africa. Then the Lord opened the doors... Lord opened the door, you know, for to US and to Europe to me. And uh, I realized this. First of all, I cannot just carry my books. Right? Because they'll be heavy. And of course, they're going to ask me at the migration, this and that and that and that and that. So, most of my books were not on Amazon. So I had to contact someone before I traveled to help me put my books on Amazon, get them on Kindle and everything. When I got to the US, it was easy. After I ministered, a lot of people were blessed. It was easy for most of them to order the books online and everything. And by the time I came back two, three months later, uh, my publisher sent me a message that, oh, you know, Amazon paid us some money for the books. Now this is where I'm going. Putting my books on Amazon and making them available on Kindle was what? Creating a system for that harvest season of ministering to those particular people. Now, this is where I'm going. If I did not do that, whatever Amazon had paid as royalties for my book will not be paid to me. I will be complaining that God is not good. Meanwhile, what happened is what? I did not create a system for that. Are you following? Are you following what I'm saying? So you are a businessman. Your business is not registered. Or you don't file your annual returns. So a contract comes. You don't have a letterhead. You're running something significant. There's no website. So an opportunity comes. They call you. So can you just uh, give us your website? I say, no, sir, but I'm on Telegram, sir. Why don't you prepare like your prayer is already answered? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, all the times 
uh, all the times I was going on Uber and everything, I was inviting people for, I was inviting people, restaurants I went to, it. I was inviting people for church. You know, I went into, so I, I forgot something, I went to the supermarket, oh, somebody just saw me there, so, oh, pastor, and I just, oh, I didn't carry the card. He was asking me for the address and everything. I was not ready. That's not God's fault. That's not God's fault. Build a system around your life. Build a system for your finances. Learn budgeting. Don't just say, hey, budgeting is not my thing. I don't know. Yeah, how much does somebody have to even budget? You will never have. Budgeting is not for the rich. It's a good financial habit. Say amen if you are here. Mm-hmm. Not spend as you earn. Have a system for your finances. Have a system for your relationships. Which relationships will you focus on? You cannot be friends of all people. Build a system. You am at this stage in my life. I have a system that addresses this thing. Glory to the name of the Lord. Build a system. Are you still here? Tell your neighbor, build a system. Because when harvest comes, you have to be ready. When harvest comes, you have to be ready. You're doing a business. How do you receive funds from overseas? Learn it. Build it. Have it ready. Don't pray a prayer you are not ready for the answer. I'll repeat that again. Don't pray a prayer you are not ready for the answer. Do you realize that the miracle of the multiplication of oil, the woman had nothing. You have to say, go to your neighbor and borrow vessels. Then she borrowed. And what did the prophet say? Say, go to the market and sell. What God brings by miracles, you must sustain by principles. God has favored you. Is there a channel that that favor can walk through? Yeah? Do you have a channel that the favor can walk through? God has blessed you. Do you have a channel that that blessing can walk through? Is there a channel God can pour that favor through? What do you have that you're dealing with? That's why I'm never idle in ministry. There's no idle minister that makes headway. Oh, that's the truth. And forget the fact that I preach on Sunday and Wednesday. Sunday and Wednesday are not the only time I preach. I'm preaching on Zoom. I'm doing trainings. Next Sunday, I'm supposed to preach somewhere. Uh, in Oshun State or something. So I told them I'm not coming. I'm, I'll be in Port Harcourt. And he was like, ah, but you still, I had to record the preaching. My son is grown now, so he helps me with the media. So I had to preach to, in quotes now, empty seats in our auditorium. I preached like the seats were filled. Because they're going to play it in the conference. I'm training a particular ministry all, all, Friday, all Sundays, evening, in April. I'm doing a Bible seminar for a particular fellowship in a company all Saturdays in April. You can't be lazy and wonder why God is not blessing you. If you are God, will you bless you? God, open doors. To do what? To do What do you want to do? I mean, we must, we must deal with this version of Christianity that makes God look wicked when we are not ready to embrace life. Are you hearing what I'm telling you now? I want you to leave this service with a mind to reassess your life. Don't sleep during harvest. 
Alright. Are you blessed? Alright. Four more things. I told you this is a world church. You're not to be fooled today. Right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Create systems to conserve the harvest God has given to you. Create systems. Build systems. Learn to build collaborations. Let me just say this very quickly. There are business opportunities you will never enjoy if you don't know how to partner with people. So you must learn to build collaborations. I don't just like to work with people. You have defined how wealthy you will be. Wealthy people must learn to build collaborations. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes, I'm not a businessman. I don't teach business. Okay? I have my friends who do business. May I teach Bible? But sometimes, 40% in a business that is earning millions is far more better, beneficial to you than 100% in your kiosk. So you must remove the mindset of I must have 100%. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes 20% somewhere else will make you 1 million times bigger than where you are. So you must put down your ego and do what? Build collaborations. Those are systems. Those are systems. You went for an interview. You are trusting God that someone will call you. Your, your phone is not always on. You are praying. You are praying. And you have gone for interview. Every time, man, calls have come. Hmm? You know you are trusting God for a job. You don't check your email. Then when you on your phone, you are on Instagram, you are on Telegram, you are on all the grams. Battery will drain. You are setting up yourself for failure. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Some of you don't need those high-end phones. They are sources of distraction to you. That's why every trending matter on Facebook, you are aware. You are contributing. Contributing to other people's life. You are celebrating other people's kitchen. They put their food on. You are saying, wow, oh God, when me? You see, if every little thing about other people's success impresses you, you're still dealing with some self-esteem issues. The same thing that should not be a big deal for you. That's the truth. You see, this year, focus on your life. For us as a church, it's a year of focus and increase. What did I say? Focus on your life. Your greatest testament in this life is the one you live. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what, that's, that's, I mean, that's my resolve. Let your life show everything you are trying to teach people. Let your life show. Oh, a man can make it in spite of his limitations. Don't talk. Make it. And then you can now say, you know what? Look at me. This is not the year to run commentary on other people's life. This is the year to show. Paul says, I've labored more than them all. When he was writing to the Corinthian church, he said, I I speak in tongues more than you all. Everything Paul was teaching, he says, I did more than you all. He was not just teaching theory. How can you face a whole church and say, I speak in tongues more than you all? You know, somebody would have said, boy, are you with us when we are praying? Nobody stood up to challenge Paul. Even when he wrote, I've labored more than you all, Peter did not say, stop that statement, we were with Jesus. No, none of the apostles contradicted Paul. This man was so sure of the life that he was living. So sure of the things he was doing. 
Glory to the name of the Lord. Create systems for the multiplication of your finances. When harvest came for Jacob, he created a system to multiply the flocks, uh, the flocks, speckled and white flocks, right? Remember, when he says, when can I provide for my house, what did God tell him? God gave him a vision of how to get flocks. God did not just say, okay, I will create new flocks for you. No, he gave him a vision. He put something in front of the animals and he got stronger animals from that. So what I'm trying to say is that whatever God wants to do in your life, he would give you an earthly way to get it to come to pass. If God has promised, I will make you a millionaire. Millions are not going to flow into your bank account unaccounted for. What he's going to do is give you an idea that will cause that to flow through you. And you must have a system. One of the things is that your spirit must be enlarged enough to receive that idea. Your brain must be enlarged enough to, to work it out. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The woman with the oil created a system for increase. Elijah told her, go sell what you have and give to the poor. Create a system to manage destiny impacting relationships. Within the circle of your relationship is your harvest. Your harvest is locked up in relationships. So one of the things you want to ask yourself is what relationships are important to me as a person? A relationship. Okay? And let me tell you this. All this, no, let me not use that word. You know, when you pray for destiny helpers and destiny helpers, you must understand also that you must build your life in such a way that when these people come, they can stay with you. So your character doesn't drive them out. So the first thing you want to ask yourself if you are an employee, who, whose relationship impacts me strongly in this place? Number one, your supervisor. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, church. Are you with me? Don't worry. I'm done. Just follow me. Are you with me? Your boss is important in your life. All this, I don't care. I don't care. It's God that lifts a man. Relax. Care. See, that man that is paying your salary every month, eh? carry his name from under your list. Put it as number one. Start praying for him. Start asking, what can I do to, to benefit this company? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't be discussing your boss with your unemployed friend. Since your friend is unemployed, he does not know what it means to be under a boss. He said, don't mind the man. Is he talking to you like that? Is it because he employed you? Yes. Yes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't let your pride destroy you. The year is just starting. Carry your boss name. The hatred you have for your boss, deal with it. You don't hate your way to the top. You can never hate your way to the top. You see, hatred, unforgiveness, and malice on your inside are destructive forces. I teach all my church members, love your work, love who you are under. Because you understand what? Walking in love is not just in church. Go excitedly to your job. Who is my supervisor? What, should, what will I do to my boss? This is not eye service. I'm talking about value. What value should I bring into this company? If you are married, bring your wife up. Don't be good to everybody outside. And you're back to your wife. You can buy a phone of 300000 for somebody and then your wife is struggling to, to see your name on her phone. She has tied the phone with rubber band. You know, darling is appearing like dog, you know, because, I mean, the alphabets are not complete. Skin is broken. I say my wife is a very patient person. She understands. I've realized that people who marry good women sometimes suffer them just because they are good. If your wife does not ask you for anything, you are blessed. It's a good thing. That does not mean you should now treat people who ask you more because they can ask. 
you sit down and say, when last did I bless this woman? There are certain things in your wife's life that must not run dry. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Women to the other way. Find, find a balance around that. Okay? So your relationship, your children. I'm talking about destiny impacting relationships. These are relationships that would affect your harvest. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your wife walks away. That's an emotional issue for you. Your children start misbehaving. It's an emotional issue for you. Your boss drops you. It's an emotional issue for you. Alright? Then value-driven friends. Value-driven friends are friends that your relationship with them is based on value. Not that you went to the same school and you sat in the same chair. Why not? You can't, you can't live your life with old boys association mindset. Say we used to go to the same primary school. You don't want to leave primary school. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So this is not old boys. I mean, I'm not saying anything wrong with those associations, but in your because you don't listen, you have limited time in this life, so you cannot you cannot scatter your energy all over. One thing I realized of highly successful people is extreme focus. You see, even if you, I mean, you go to parties of wealthy people and all that, you see order, yeah, order of program. You know, da da da, so so time. Even the food they will eat, they will tell them before so that they can make their choice quickly. You go to somebody who doesn't have a lot of money. You ask, ah, is there other program? I say, don't worry. Once MC come, now we'll start. You know that you are not living there. Then you know they will keep the food last because you know it's the food that they will use to tie you down. Meanwhile, you go to a wealthy party. As you are entering, they are already giving you food. Well, they know that it's not hunger that. <laughs> They know it's not hunger that brought all of you there. So you can eat, take something. You know if you start a poor man's party, we take something. By the end of the party, my sister, nobody will be there. Say you don't eat, say yes, say now go at this. <laughs> so, so, so high, high value driven relationships. You're asking yourself, this relationship, what does it add to me? Not what does it take? What does it add to me? Right? You bring all that out. So as you begin to work on this, create a system. I want to encourage you. If you have a business in this place, ensure it's registered. Okay? Talk to business people. Attend seminars. Build a system. Build a system. Are you hearing this? You know, when they began to talk about they want to deregister churches and all that, people should file returns and everything, it was not a big thing for us as a church. Because I started working on that long time. Even when it's not required, do the right thing. So that when it's required, you are prepared. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you this morning. We ask Lord Jesus that you cause your grace and your strength to cause these words to be engraven in our hearts in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.